You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in to OBR Weekly, featuring the legendary Fred Greetham, as always, uh, author of The Greetham Angle, our beat writer at the OBR. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Fred Greetham nine. Uh, and, uh, every Wednesday night here at 7 PM, I'm filling in for Barry McBride. Once again, you got to deal with, deal with me. Uh, but I'll get you through it. Fred, how are we doing? Doing great, Brad. Yeah, we're just, uh, ready to go here. All right. Very good. Uh, let's, I kind of want to start tonight if it's okay, as everybody's kind of filing in the chat here. Welcome everybody to, uh, OBR weekly. Thanks for showing up, uh, and listening and watching, uh, the injury, uh, stuff here. So, uh, just kind of want to ask you a few questions here. So obviously Greg Newsom, uh, missed Sunday's game. Where are we at with him? Uh, was he back today? Yeah, he, he's good to go. He was limited on the official report, but, uh, Unless he has a setback, he's going to play. Uh, Coach Stefanski said that he was very close last week. Reading between the lines, I think they felt like he probably could have played. He wanted to play, but they thought it'd be better to hold him out. Especially the Titans weren't a team that you know was going to put a lot of pressure on the cornerbacks. <clears throat> and so, yeah, he's good to go. And uh, <clears throat> Hudson, the backup tackle, who was out late in the week with an ankle injury and questionable. He was back at practice as well. Okay. So they are as healthy as they've been. It seems like with the Browns now they've had two major injuries, you know, Jack Conklin and Nick Chubb. It's been bigger go home, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's, yeah. they've, but they, but they don't have the, the lingering ones so far and they're going into the bye week So you got a two week cushion I mean, it's really time, you know, let it all hang out and, you know, and go get this win. If you could get to three and one and especially two and one in the division, um, I think you'd be in great shape. I said before the season that two and one in the division at the bye would be great. Um, one and two wouldn't be insurmountable, but it puts you in a much better place being two and one. If they were to beat the Ravens, I wouldn't exactly have thought it would have been two and one, you know, the way it is, but I think they'll take it. And, yeah. you know, and then you got the 49ers, which, but I think this just sets you up so much more. You need to put all your focus on, get this win because, you know, even at, I had said, if you're going to be three and two after five games and that's, the worst they would be if they can beat the Ravens. So I think it's a big game. There's healthy, you know, I don't expect anybody to miss the game that's on the roster now, unless something happens between now and Sunday. And you know how that goes sometimes last week, I think uh, Hudson got hurt on Friday in a walkthrough or, or, you know, something simple. 
And uh, we remember a couple of years ago, I think it was Newsom's rookie year, he got a concussion on Friday. Yeah. Monkeying around going up for a ball. So <laughs> anyway, they're in better shape than the Ravens are, even though the Ravens got three or four guys back today. Yeah. So I'll get, I mean, I want to ask you about the Ravens here in one second, but there was a good question in the chat here that I wanted to uh, get to, of course. And it's uh, Sancho uh, asked, um, about the signal calling from the defense. Uh, who is the Browns uh, signal caller on defense on the sideline and field? Is it Schwartz talking to Walker with the green dot? You know, they haven't really made that clear. I haven't, uh, you know, I haven't heard specifically um, because yeah. guys are in and out. I mean, Walker's not out there all the time. Um so I mean, that's probably a good question. I don't know if we talk to Schwartz tomorrow, but I doubt if he would tell us. They're very secretive about a lot of that stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I, know, I don't know. I would guess that it'd be Walker. I don't know if you're allowed to move it around during the game or it stays with one person or what. But um, whatever it is, it's working, and I don't think there's much reason to question it. Yeah, that's it. That is a good question. Uh, you know, it was Walker and John Johnson the past few years. So that makes you wonder if it's like uh, Thornhill and Walker or maybe even JOK because he's on the field more than anybody really uh, in that linebacker room. So that's some, that's an interesting question. Good question, Sancho. We'll see what we can uh, get figured out there for you. I'm sure that we can get that uh figured out uh with some research but um i did want to ask you interesting today deshaun shows up on the injury report uh i know i asked you about this already but i thought it was worth bringing up um because i'm sure some people saw it right shoulder it says and i heard uh somebody on the radio saying that he was not throwing in the part of practice that was open to the press uh taking mental reps or whatever does that strike you as kind of strange? Well, if anybody follows me on Twitter, I have the videos, you know, showing him working on his footwork with the other quarterbacks. They're throwing yeah. into a net for accuracy. And when it came to him, he just stopped. He did everything but throw the ball. And in the early part of practice, we only get to watch 20 minutes. And now they're doing special teams to begin after stretching. So that takes about 10 to 15 to the 20 minutes up. Uh, then they just start throwing some light passes to the running backs and the tight ends and wide receivers. We saw a little of that, and it was P.J. Walker and uh, DTR doing the throwing. He was just doing, going through the motion. Um, the Browns do, just before Stefanski talks, he talks at 1 o'clock on Wednesdays. They send out a little pre-practice injury report. And it was very thin. It said Joe Batonio, I think ankle or whatever he was on, and rest. He usually gets rest every Wednesday, but I think they're also giving him a little break on his knee or ankle or whatever. And Kareem Hunt, it said groin and ribs. That's yeah, it. That, that yeah. was a signal to us that Greg Newsom was back and Hudson because that means they're, they don't say – by the way, this guy's back to practice. You got to figure that out on your own. 
So yeah. all the questions with Stefanski were about that in general, about Watson, you know, the offense and building on it. Then we get out there and we didn't really notice that until they got to the individual part. And one of the PR spokesmen said that they would probably list him as limited, but the explanation or what I took from it is kind of like a, he was practicing, but resting his arm like a pitcher, just not throwing, throwing batting practice or whatever. Yeah. Um, he might've got banged the other, he wasn't on the injury report for, you know, like I said, before practice. So yeah, that was, and, and that comes out just as they're going out on the field. So I don't think necessarily um, he got hurt. It's, he might've been a little sore from the game. There's nothing reported after the game by anybody. Hunt was the only one that showed up today that wasn't reported. And he actually was out there stretching with the team. Usually when they're on the injury report, they're over with the trainers to begin with. He was stretching and jogging and doing everything with the team. And then when they broke up, he went over on the side with Amari Cooper, Miles Garrett, Joel Batonio, and Zadarius Smith. Those guys got rest days. So yeah. I'm not reading anything into it. I just think it could even been as much as, hey, we want to give you a rest day, but he didn't really want to take it. You know, I'll, I'll at least go through the motions or whatever, but it yeah. makes sense to me that you rest the arm. There's only three quarterbacks out there, and yeah. they're throwing all the time. So, you know, I, I assume they're just resting his arm, you know, like yeah, kickers don't kick because they kick so much you know, to give them a little break from them. I mean, if it's any different tomorrow, you know, we'll be right on it when they yeah. go out and practice at one thirty. So I'm yeah. not too concerned. I think if, if your guy doesn't throw, they have to put it down that he didn't do everything. Yeah. And I'm assuming that's how the whole practice went. I don't know. We don't, aren't told because we don't see a regular practice. So, Anyway, yeah, it is. That makes, it is. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I just, uh, I don't, the, it just struck me as kind of strange because uh, I just don't remember in years past quarterbacks resting their arms. I, it seems like something that you should do, probably, right? Uh, well, I just never, never we talked to Deshaun during the interview session before practice and somebody asked him, I guess I had forgot or didn't remember that when he was with Houston. He broke a couple or cracked a couple ribs and punctured a lung, and they wouldn't let you fly on the plane because of that. But he took a bus to to the game. I don't know. He was trying to explain the logistics, but I said, "Well, why in the world didn't you just sit the game out and play the next week?" And he says, "I didn't want to miss, and I was, and they wouldn't let me. I couldn't go on the team plane, so I found another way to get there, and so." That tells me, he says, I want to play. So I don't think anything small is going to keep him out. If he's got a little sore arm, I mean, he was throwing the ball at the end of that game until he took him out. He threw a bomb in the last yeah. series no. I think he was in. So, yeah. Yeah, he was we'll throwing the ball well. So. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sancho again with a good qu- question here with the uh, week five bye. This is a big game. It's a huge game. Absolutely. Uh, how have the Browns and Ravens series been in recent years? I think they've, I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, Fred, but I think they've split like the last five years or four years or something like that. Isn't that right? Yeah. Um, I just did a little research on the last four games that that Jackson played, and they won. They were one and three, even though they held him in check. I mean, the one you think of is that sixteen to ten loss over there, where he threw four interceptions in the first half. They throttled him, and yet the offense couldn't score anything—ten yeah. points. But um, yeah, I think last year Huntley played in one of the games and the Browns beat them. So they've, they've been pretty good. They've been about 500 with them. And I just think they need to take advantage of it right now with these guys injured and that, and just go take care of business and worry, get it in the win column and deal with it down the road. But I actually asked Kevin Stefanski about that dealing with Lamar Jackson is that we were, I was pretty critical overall of Joe Woods as a defensive coordinator. But the one thing you can say, he had a good plan against Lamar Jackson. He did. And that's what that story I was writing about, I wrote today, is that the the defense really kept Jackson in check. And if you remember the one game when JOK didn't sack him, but he tackled him just as he was got rid of the ball. He yeah. was out for the rest of that season. That was JOK's rookie year. He really did a good job of kind of spying on um, Jackson. And I just think they kept him from beating him with his legs. The last time he really went off on the Browns was that 47-42 game, you know, where we all remember he came out of the locker room, came off the toilet or whatever he did to win the game. But I'm hoping that Jim Schwartz would maybe – you know, use some of those techniques, whatever it was that Joe Woods's defense was doing. I would think that he would, and he wouldn't say, no, I'm not doing anything that way. Um, you can't argue with what they're doing, but I really think that the JOK is great in that role. I mean, that's if one thing when they drafted him, you felt like here you got a guy who probably could just spy and just don't let number eight beat you. He did a he did a good job as a rookie, so we'll see what they have in mind. But um, they've been good against the run, you know. They've they shut down Derrick Henry, they've shut down Joe Mixon, they shut down Najee Harris. This is a different animal. Their leading rusher is Lamar Jackson. He's more their running game than anybody else. He went for over 100 yards last week, and just my personal opinion, watching him, he can throw the ball. But if you take away the running element to Jackson, I think you stand a great chance to keep them under control. And that's what Joe Woods' defense or his scheme did in those last four games. The the most he threw for in those four games was 165 yards. So I'm I'm thinking wow. that's the blueprint yeah. um, that you have to keep him, you know, and he'll turn the ball over. The Ravens are, you know, they're 12th offensively after three games, and but they're fifth rushing the ball. Most of that's Jackson, but they're like 24th passing. So I think you want to get them passing the ball. 
you know, it, it sets up well for the Browns defense with the pass rush and the secondary and all the way around. Yeah, totally agree. And uh, it's interesting because initially, well, we'll talk about the Todd Munkin aspect of this offense and the new offense, but one of the, you mentioned the rushing and him leading and rushing. Well, it'd be, it's crazy how much the injury trouble they have at the running back position every year. It's, it's really out of control. So they uh, were missing two linemen, right? And I think they got them back today. You said, right? Linderbaum and, uh, Ronnie Staley, left tackle and center. Yeah, they're uh, they're uh, starting center and Pro Bowl left tackle. Ronnie Stanley went back, listed as limited their first day back. They've been out for a little bit. So I would expect they'd probably ramp up, and I, I would expect they'd be ready to go. Seemed like everybody they got back today was on offense. They got four guys back. Uh, Gus Edwards cleared concussion protocol, and he was okay. kind of the last man standing at running back. Yeah, had to bring up Kenyon Drake and Melvin Gordon. I think from, I mean, they're veterans. It's not yeah. your old time practice squad now. These are veteran guys coming in. Um, but Gus Edwards was cleared, so he's ready to go. Um, those three, and then I think they had, or the fourth one was the safety, Marcus Williams. Uh, Marcus Williams, yeah, and. Uh, and so they were all limited. They had seven did not practice though. And if that stays tomorrow, then you could pretty much figure those guys are out. Most of them are on defense. I mean, start Williams was one of them, but he's should be back. Marlon Humphrey, their pro bowl corner. Yeah. Kyle Hamilton, who had three sacks was listed as did not practice with a back injury. And then they had Ojabo, the kid from Michigan, yeah. He missed last week's game. OA, the I think he's Penn State. They're yeah. both starters. Um, they they all didn't practice today, and I think they all missed last week's game except Hamilton. So tomorrow we'll tell more. But you know their defense, you know, has been pretty good, but they haven't been the defense that they were in the past. I just think that if you have the injuries, even on the defensive side, that sets up more for the Browns offense. I'm not worried about the defense, the Browns defense going against the Ravens full strength offense. They just, you know, it's all Lamar Jackson, you know? Yep. And, and like I said, Joe Woods had him after that 47, 42 game, it seemed like they had a plan to keep, we're able to keep Jackson and Mark Andrews a little bit under control. And those to me are the focal points, those two. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, uh, the other guys that are out are Justice Hill, one of their running backs, and then Bateman and Odell Beckham Jr. So, and we don't know what the story with them is there. We won't know till later in the week. Right. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Bateman was a hamstring. I think he played the other day. Beckman, Beckham didn't play. No. He didn't practice. Again, tomorrow is kind of the pivotal day. A lot of teams will keep them out today and then spring them out there on Thursday or something. Usually if they don't practice Thursday, if they're a DNP, they rarely play in the game because Fridays almost all teams just do a walkthrough. But yeah. – Anyway, 
you know, as far as I think that um, it sets up the defense, you know, against them. They they have now, it seems like, for two or three years, as you said, with the running backs. I remember, you know, Dobbins had a major injury. I think it was last year, and his backup might have been Edwards, and he, and they just kind of kept yeah. going. And it almost seems the same this year. And they had, I don't know if it's <laughs> – because they put so much in emphasis on preseason, they they haven't lost a preseason game in I don't know how many years. But until, until this year, they lost just, one. Yeah, yeah. They, I don't know, but the Browns, you know, have almost went the other way. You know, hey, let's just get them into the regular season. Then you've had two major major injuries, but you know, for the most part, they they seem to be holding up okay so far. So. I think right now, anyway, whoever comes back for the Ravens, they still would be a lot of them haven't played in a couple, three games. They have several on injury reserve that cannot come back until after this game. So they're going to get healthy sooner or later. But, you know, the Browns are catching them, you know, and hopefully they 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 look at it. Amari Cooper says, you know, they're not going to they're not going to get fooled. You know, yeah. and say, "Hey, Marlon Humphrey isn't playing, or this guy's not playing." You know that as well as I do. You see, teams. I can even remember last year. Teams seemed decimated. Their great players weren't playing, and they still beat the Browns. So it's, it's, uh, it really is. A lot of times in the NFL, the backups might not have a name, but they're not too far behind the starters. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, you're watching uh, the OBR Weekly here on the OBR Streaming Network, uh, YouTube, and uh, Twitch. Uh, this is uh, I'm Brad Ward. That's Fred Greetham uh, of the OBR. Uh, and we are talking about the Browns and the Ravens uh, here as we get ready for uh, week four before the Browns go into the bye week, looking to go three and one and get a share of first place in the AFC North. Um, so let me, let me ask you this, um, running the running back position, uh, Fred, they had Jerome Ford. Now you have Hunt and then, and strong got some carries and was involved in the offense a little bit this week. Um, they brought in, uh, Dion Jackson, which was interesting because he was actually with everything going on in Indianapolis. He was actually their starting running back to start the season. In Indianapolis, they added him to the practice squad along with Devin Asiasi, I think that's how you say it, right? Uh, the tight end. So they bring those two onto the practice squad. Do you think going forward, we're looking at like running back by committee, or do you think is this is more of a Jerome Ford and then Hunt sprinkled in thing as we keep going? Well, I think they're just trying to find their way. I mean, the first game they used seven different guys carried the ball, including Harrison Bryant and Deshaun Watson and Elijah Moore. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that they will settle, you know, on I think Kevin Stefanski's showing what he likes. He likes to have a an every down back and then spell him with a change of pace guy. And so I think eventually it'll be Ford Hunt possibly hunt forward, depending on, you know, how he emerges. I think they like strong. They traded for him. 
Yeah. I think all they're doing is trying to upgrade. I mean, Hassan Hall, I don't even know if he would have been on the practice squad. I think they, I don't know this, but I think they wanted, you know, or offered Demetric Felton to come back, but he chose not to. And so they wanted another back. Uh, I don't know with John Kelly, he'd been on the practice squad for three years. I don't know if he ever signed with anybody, but Deion Jackson, I think they just looked at that as an upgrade over Hassan Hall. Here's a guy that had a little bit of a experience. I, I did a little video of him today and I tweeted it. Just here's the new running back, Deion Jackson, number 31. And he retweeted it. And I was like, okay, he, he nice. noticed. And so, yeah. um, Hey, they could get lightning in a bottle. I, I think the Colts are expecting Jonathan Taylor to join them in a couple weeks. And, and uh, I think he fell out of favor. He fumbled a couple times. I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago or what, but sometimes that's the kiss of death. The Browns brought in a guy, Jordan Wilkins. I think they were going to use him as the third back and he fumbled in that preseason game and they moved yeah. on from him immediately. So sometimes <laughs> You just can't make a mistake in a certain spot. And so the Colts decide to go with Zach Moss. And I think when Taylor's back, you know, they figure Moss can be their backup. So why do we need to keep Jackson around? So Browns looked at it as a chance to maybe upgrade the end of the practice squad there. And the tight end, um, yeah, I mean, I saw him today too and – he has some experience. He played for the, yeah. the Bengals. Mm-hmm. I made a catch or two, you know, the Patriots, a couple teams. So who knows? I mean, as far as they didn't really have much on the practice squad, you know, with, they had, I think, Mitchell Payton, you know, was the practice squad. He's still there. So you never know. They're always just kind of churning that bottom. I thought the biggest tell there was they moved on from Tristan Hill, and most yep. to keep Tommy Togiai. So, um, you know, they there was a flyer they took on a, you know, I remember he kind of lumped Tristan Hill and Mo Hurst together when they signed him about the same time, journeyman. And Hurst has really been a valuable addition. Oh, he's been great. So much. Yeah. He's been fantastic, actually. Yeah, he was one of their top-graded defenders. Uh, had a couple highlight plays. Uh, swim, move up the middle, and and ran a guy down for a tackle for a loss. He's been really good uh, up the middle. And, uh, you know, the whole thing was like, hey, he's just got to stay healthy. We know he's talented, right? And he has. Uh, there's a question in here from Broken Arrow saying, asking um, Fred if you have any idea when Chubb goes under the knife. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. 
From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You don't want to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. All I was told or heard was that uh, they were expecting it sometime this week. I think a lot of the times it's uh, swelling to go down and, and so forth. But when uh, Schefter put out that report or whoever it was that it might not be as bad as feared, that it was just stretched, that I think they were alluding to the fact they expected it to be sometime this week. Um, we have not been given any information. In fact, Kevin Stefanski drove the game ball over to his house after the game the other day, and one of the reporters asked if he could at least say how it went, and he wouldn't even talk about that, you know. So, you know, I I, I understand, you know, the um, privacy and everything, but, but it was kind of like, wow, okay. So I don't expect them to tell us. Other than when it's over, they, they usually put out something saying so-and-so underwent successful surgery. I've never seen one that said catastrophic, sur you know, <laughs> you know, like something me, like that. Me neither, I, yeah. I mean, obviously that you want it, everybody wants it successful. But I expect to be this week, probably knowing him, the soon the soon as he's able to do it, he'll get it done because he wants to – Stefanski said he'd already started rehabbing. So, you know, must be things non-surgical that he's rehabbing. So there you go. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's good stuff. Good to hear. And uh, good news coming from the Chubb camp on the injury thing there. So let's all hope for the best as we uh, continue to monitor that situation. Okay, uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, real quickly here. Uh, a light. So I there was a, a stat that came out today, um, Fred, that uh, about separation um, uh, from next gen stats uh, by wide receivers and tight ends. So like you know who's getting the most open, right? Um, and two Browns were in the top 10 in the league in separation uh, so far. And st strikingly enough, one of them is rarely ever used so far this year. Uh, and uh, that was David Njoku with the seventh, uh, came in seventh in most amount of separation in the league with 4.5 uh, yards of separation um, and per route, I believe that is. So, um, they haven't get really worked him into the offense as much as we thought, you know, he made it kind of took a step forward last year. You have any thoughts or is it been, it heard any whispers about the usage of Njoku? It feels like they're uh, haven't gone to him nearly as much, or at least to Watson hasn't. No, uh, we talked to him today and, you know, he took the high road of just like, Hey, as long as we win, that's all that matters. Um, I do think he's matured a little bit in the past. He kind of threw – he was more worried about his stats because he wanted to get the big contract. And a lot yeah. of that, you know, he's he's accomplished. But I wouldn't be surprised if 
they make a concerted effort to get him involved. We saw him really all summer training camp. Um, nobody could cover him. He's open all the time, you know, and we've seen the Browns have pretty good defense. And it seemed like Watson, you know, put the ball there with him. And for whatever reason, it just hasn't went that way. Um, I think it would do wonders for the Browns if they could. I mean, we've already seen the security blanket that Amari Cooper is and that him and Watson, he just needs to get that relationship or uh, confidence with two or three guys. So, you know, any somebody covered, you don't have to force it and get it to the other one. Yeah. But you could see last week with Elijah Moore had the kind of low numbers going into that game. They made a concerted effort. I mean, they're running reverses. They're running sweeps. They're running razzle-dazzle throwbacks. He touched the ball 12 times, nine pass plays for 49 yards. I mean, it was like, really? Um, You got to get more than five yards a pop. So with him, they need to do it a little more vertically, quick slants down the field. He's got four, three speed, you know, hit him in the seam and not this sideline to sideline. But Najoku, I think, it just seems like Stefanski sometimes scripts up his first plays and writes into the script. And I could see them, you know, doing that with Najoku right off the get-go, get him involved. And he seems to have these feast or famine games, you know, like he'll have six, seven catches, 70 yards, a touchdown, and then then he disappears. And so – I just think you really got to get him involved. You know, I, I think he has been blocking a little more when helping out, you know, the pass rush with Dewan Jones or Wills um, to slow that down. But I really think you got to get him involved. You know, that first play, the Steeler game, you're going to throw a quick out to the tight end. Well, why not do that with Najoku, not to Harrison Bryant, you know, right. all the weapons you have. So, um yeah, Najoku's got off to a slow start, but he doesn't seem to be concerned. At least he's not saying so. Seems to have a good attitude about it. And I, I could see Stefanski making a concerted effort to get him going against the Ravens. Um, it really is about matchups. I don't know, you know, who they'd put on him. Their safeties, you know, Hamilton's been playing in the slot. He's now was listed as injured today and Williams has been out, but he's coming back probably this week. So, or if they put a linebacker, like there are a couple pretty good ones in Queen or Smith. So, yeah, but they do, they, they need to get him involved. You just can't pigeonhole, you know, we talk about all these weapons and then you only use one or two, you know, a game. And, and to your point, I'm glad you said something about um, Elijah Moore uh, as Rafi asks, who has four three speed, and, and it's Elijah Moore, right? And uh, you mentioned him uh, with the nine catches for forty nine yards, uh, and he was the other one on this list. So he was the eighth most in the NFL, or the eighth best at getting separation so far this year, at four point three yards of separation per route run. Uh, in Joku at seven. And I'm like looking at it, thinking Fred, like these are two guys they haven't really used a whole ton. I mean, so they gave the ball to uh, more 12 t- touches, like you said, three handoffs, nine catches, 
all very gimmicky and gadgety, right? Uh, a lot of jet sweeps, reverse, uh, this, that, the other thing. The one thing that struck me, Fred, when he came, as like you already kind of alluded to, is that when he came on board, you know, Jake did the, a film breakdown on him. Is This guy gets open down the field. He's a good route runner, and he's twitchy, and he can snap off routes in a half second. So I kind of wish they would use him more down the field, like you said. Well, I'm in the back of my mind, just the way Stefanski works, is that I was thinking a lot of this show in that first series was setting up for the Ravens, you know, maybe trying to get him. Okay. Look at how we're using more, all this horizontal, you know, East West stuff. And then, and then send him deep, you know, they keep trying to throw Goodwin to stretch the field. If this guy's a four, three, you know, let him stretch the field. He's out there on the field. But even if it's not the deep ball, how about that quick slant? I mean, yeah. you know, you remember when Beckham was here, I think one of the best plays he ever had, they threw like a little 10-yard slant and he went, he was gone. A guy with this speed, if you can just get him, if he has that separation, if, and it's an easy throw. We're talking about after the Steelers game, Watson seemed to be under duress the whole game. Now, he wasn't as much with the Titans, but how about that quick boom, boom, and just hit the quick slot um, to Moore and break the seam, and he's gone. I mean, and so I'm not comparing him to Anthony Schwartz, but it just seemed like with Anthony Schwartz, they constantly tried to have him run jet sweeps with his speed, but he couldn't get around the corner. You know, he just – you know, he's more of a track guy straight up north and south, and he couldn't go east and west and turn the corner. They'd get an angle and get him. I'm not saying that's how Moore is, but that's how they used him the other day. And he really didn't seem to have, you know, he's not big, strong, and it seemed like he went down pretty easy. Get him out in the open, downfield yep. a little bit, with a little separation, and let him have the ball in his hands go one-on-one with, with one of the defensive backs, I think that you could have some good things happen. So I'm I'm uh, optimistic that Stefanski was kind of putting some things on and hoping to add to it because you got to use him more than that. I mean, yes. nine catches for 49 yards is just – I mean, yes. that's, that's a, a plotting tight end number, you know, at the end of his career. Just go yeah. out, turn around, throw him a ball, no yards after catch. Um, so we'll see. But it's good to know he's he's got some separation. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Um, I was wondering some of these guys if they're getting open. But Watson's yeah. shown that he can get it in a tight place. If they've got a little bit of an opening, you know, that ought to even make it better on a slant or or some of those you know, plays. I don't think we've seen that. We've seen him in the Steeler game, kept running sideline routes and he'd throw it about 10 yards out of bounds, you know, and you, you want to see him maybe try over the middle and deep middle and things like that with him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to see him work down the field, especially if he's getting that kind of separation and, you know, even just his film coming in showed, you know, but he has a really good ability to kind of read the defender's hips and knows when to stop and sit down and 
uh, find a weak spots and some zones and stuff. I, with all the attention that Cooper's going to be getting, you would think you would want him out there, right? Uh, uh, Todd Trout in the chat makes a good point saying that, um, he's trying to use more like he, like they used Percy Harvin in Minnesota when he was there. And I think that's probably a pretty good parallel Todd, uh, or, or, you know, or Debo Samuel. But to your point, Fred, he's not physical like Debo Samuel, right? So handing him the ball no. isn't going to net the same results. No, and I don't, you know, no disrespect to Percy Harvin. I didn't follow him as closely, but I don't, he was more of a gadget guy. And I don't think Elijah Moore, I mean, they've talked about him being able to move around, but the whole idea is to create mismatches and I don't think he's he's a gadget guy. Like you said, he he's a down-the-field threat. You don't take a guy, you know, that high in a draft. And if, if he's just a guy that is relying on, you know, trickery to, to make plays. But, no, he's nowhere near Samuel, Samuel as far as the physicality. Um, you can see when he gets the ball and, and – he makes a move and the DB doesn't go for it. He goes right down. He isn't a guy that's bowling anybody over. Absolutely. Okay. A um, couple more things here. You guys can submit some questions in the chat. We'll get to those too. Uh, I don't know if you've heard anything, um, of it, you know, this week. I was wondering, just kind of curious. So you've got Jadavian Clowney on the other side, right? Uh, who left, didn't play, participate in Week 17 last year and left on a bad note. And you've got Odell Beckham on the other side who left in kind of a uh, uh, a huff uh, or was, you know, his dad posted a f film of Baker Mayfield missing him wide open on the Internet and then got his way out of Cleveland. Uh, is there a revenge narrative here at all, you think, Fred? I don't think so. I mean, he talked today in Baltimore. I read his quotes. He said all the right things. He said he didn't have a problem. You know, they just, he made it sound like, you know, for whatever reason, the you know, he played a good game in Washington, but they didn't want him to play in the last game. So that was it. Um, well, it was basically because everything came out that he didn't want to play. And when Lane, or not Lane, but Chris Kiffin, kind of divulged that to the media that he refused to go in on first, second down, some of those things. And they just said, yeah, you know, how it went down, who knows, but um, he's a mercenary. He's team to team. He made it sound like he'd spent his career with the Browns by his comments. Cause he said, well, if I had a problem with the Browns, I wouldn't have resigned there. You know, I spent, I spent, two years there and I liked it there and I have a lot of friends there and all that. I don't think anybody had problem was just, you know, the one question that I'm sh almost surprised nobody brought up of all the injuries, the, the Ravens have, that's one that isn't on the injury report. And I swear he was on the injury report every week. You know, he was listed as rest every week. If he didn't, you know, and like his most rested guy I've ever seen. So <laughs> he should have liked it here with the Browns. He didn't have to practice. He, you know, he didn't, you know, so, but he's just kind of made a career of year to year going place to place, you know, and 
and enjoying the honeymoon for a year with a new team. They're praising yeah. him. I think he's leading their team in pressures, and so good for him. But the Browns had to move on. They had to. He wasn't the answer, and I don't think he was. Would have been the answer if he'd have stayed. He showed you what he did, and um, good player, good talent. But I don't think there's revenge. These guys, you know, they all know they could be on the other team the next week even <laughs> um the next year so he got his money um i mean he he kind of chose that again he went back that all kind of came about in an interview with one of my colleagues where they reported what he said and he said that it wasn't what he said but we all heard him say it you know yeah, yeah. so yeah, I don't think there's any revenge. He would definitely want it. He wants to get to the quarterback for sure and show the Browns yeah. made a mistake. But I think yeah. that's human nature. Absolutely. Uh, Rocky uh, Balboa in the chat asking you, Fred. So there's been some rumors out there about Jerry Judy uh, on the trade block and that the Browns were in the mix. And then Devontae Adams, you know, has been talking about how he wants, you know, he's basically doesn't, isn't doesn't want to wait for the Raiders to, to get uh, relevant or be good. Uh, so his name is getting tossed around in some of this uh, rumor stuff, right? So uh, does Fred think that adding Jerry Judy or Devontae Adams would negatively affect team chemistry? And then he adds later on here, kind of like how Baker became Odell-centric. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If how much you accomplish in a midseason trade, because there's always a time for an adjustment and different things like that. You know, even Odell going to the Rams. I mean, they got to the Super Bowl and down the stretch. You know, he really helped them until he got hurt. And but I don't know. It, it always comes back to how much does it cost you? The Browns do not have a lot of capital. Usually, these are trade assets, and teams would move a guy because they want to get a first round pick or high draft capital with Judy. That's what I heard they wanted back when it was first going on. Plus the reason they don't want to keep him is because he wants, you know, to big, get a big contract, you know, yeah. when he comes off as a rookie. So do you look at, at the time they made the move for Elijah Moore? Do you think, you know, he's somebody you like better than Elijah Moore. Um, are you happy with what you have? You have to almost look at it with Peoples Jones or Cooper. Cooper's got the big contract. Peoples Jones is looking for a big contract or a bigger contract. And do you want to resign him or do you want to move on from him and replace him? Some think that's why they got Cedric Tillman in third round. Sure. You know, in the trade for Elijah Moore. I don't think the Browns, they don't have a first-round pick next year. I don't know if they want to give up their second-round pick for one of these guys. And I haven't studied. I thought Adams had a pretty big deal. He just, you know, he got traded he to the Raiders because he wanted a big contract. And so many times, guy, I realized David Car or Derek Carr was moved out of there, but – they get the big contract, then the team's no good because they have, <laughs> and then they want out, you know. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't put anything past Andrew Barry, but I, I think they're pretty happy with what they have, 
And I just don't know if they're going to push too hard to go all in to get somebody. They could have got DeAndre Hopkins, you know, still a good player. They chose not to. Um, so I don't know. I would see, I would lean more to them going more for a Jerry Judy than a Devontae Adams, even though I've, Devontae Adams, I think, is one of the best receivers in the NFL. Yeah. If they think that's the guy that makes all the difference, I don't know. But you're going to get rumors all the time linked to the Browns every time a, a decent player becomes available. Um, and, you know, <laughs> you know, right now I don't think necessarily wide receiver is the Browns' problem. It's more, you know, running back. Will they be able to, to survive without Nick Chubb long-term? But then again – they might say, well, we have, we're going to make that move more for a receiver to really load up in that area. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if Barry made a move, but I just don't think they have the assets. I mean, what would be appealing to the Raiders to get a second round or something like that, you know, or even Jerry Judy? Um, yeah. And I don't know if the Browns want to go into another draft with nothing until the third round. If they wouldn't have made the move uh, for more or anything like that, I think they would maybe realistically be in this. But, like, it seems to me, Fred, like they worked so hard to get some rhythm in this offense, and they finally have gotten to do that. Adding in somebody like that when you've got Cooper playing at the level he is maybe kind of to their point here in the chat, uh, could be a little disruptive at this point, you know? Well, and that's, that's a good point, and that's true. Um, one of the reasons I didn't think they were going to do Hopkins was because these guys demand the ball. They don't just yeah. come in and say, I want one catch a game. Yeah. You know, Adams isn't wouldn't come here and say, hey, I'm happy with one or two catches for 20 yards, you know? And we've already seen Cooper is a very good receiver, but of all the wide receivers I've covered, I've never, and I don't mean this negative, but usually the wide receiver at the top of the room is a diva. They're usually, there's something about them that the way they carry Cooper, you, you just don't get that from him. I've talked to him now for a couple of years. He's very quiet, very humble you would think, well, this guy's, you know, the end of the roster rookie, you know? Yeah. And then he goes out in the game and he lights it up. And and so he really fits in well. And I'm not saying he wouldn't with a with a top another top of the line. He'd probably get along fine with him. But I just don't know if you need that extra pressure, you know, on your quarterback to get him the ball, <coughs> you know, at this totally point agree. in the season. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Uh, okay. Uh, good question here from Rafa. And I, you know, I've wrote a little blurb about this in my things. I think I know thing. Uh, I think it, I, how do you pronounce it? The, the 37 year old tackle Neshki. Is that it? Ne whatever. Neseki. Uh, Neseki. Thank you. Uh, so Neseki was elevated for this game uh, last week. And, and Rafa asked in the chat, have you heard anything about Will starting at left tackle uh, being in jeopardy due to performance? Um, like, 
for example, uh, real quickly, just to add to that, uh, in a little research I did, Fred, uh, Niseki, is that, is that right? Yes. Niseki, uh, is a 70 plus PFF guy for most of his entire career. Started eight games last year. Now he's 37 years old, so you got to take that into account. But you're talking Jed Wills in week one and week two, and I haven't looked at the grades yet that in depth this week, but week one and week two was uh, 40s and 50s in PFF grades. So uh, just as far as the way people are evaluating his play, he has regressed immensely since his rookie season, Um, and, and we see it every week. Uh, do you think that they will ever pull the string on him and try somebody else at left tackle, or are they just going to keep working with him and hope he figures it out? Well, Kevin Stefanski, since he's been here, has been very slow to make changes. You know, we saw that even with quarterback when Baker Mayfield was clearly injured and he had a $7 million uh, backup who he won with, went to the playoffs with, he, he never made the change. They've been very – right after the game, Stefanski said Watson had tremendous or really good pass protection. They have have not wavered with that. And if they were going to make any change, it probably would be at the bye. Um, that's when they made changes before, but the bye's already, you know, after this week. I, I just don't think they – unless they're behind closed doors talking about it, ready to make a change – uh, they brought in Naseki, as you said, um, insurance. You lost Jack Conklin. It worked out well for the standpoint that if Dewan Jones is as good, if not better than Conklin, you got yep. the answer long-term at right tackle. Um, and I don't think they want to mess with him unless they decide in the offseason, but they've already committed to Wells next year. I don't know. You got Bill Callahan working with him every day. I know the fans constantly, you know, see the reports and see the games. I just don't know what else to say. They they continually, you know, lift him up. They they the only explanation against, um, you know, the Steelers game when he gave up that was, you know, took one bad play, you know, cost him the game, but. Um, they made it sound like, you know, Hey, you know, once in a while you have a bad play. So I'm just yeah. saying, you know, the way that they don't look to me, like they're going to make any changes. I'd be very surprised if they come in and say, we're going with this 37 year old guy, you know, to be the left tackle. Yeah, I would be surprised too. I just thought, you know, at some point, he's been a little bit of a liability and he's on your quarterback's blind side. So, you know, maybe at some point you try something else. Uh, you know, somebody here, here in the chat just said he had a good game. Uh, Mick says he had a good game against the Titans. Eh. I mean, he had a 56 grade. He played better against the Titans. The, the, the offensive line as a unit played better against the Titans. Uh, after the first two weeks, they were the 18th ranked uh, offensive line in the NFL in pass protection. So they had struggled early in the season and, and maybe they'll put it together, but. Uh, I mean, as far as, I mean, I think the best left tackle they have on the roster is probably Joe Botonio, but then you have, 
you know, that, you know, is a temporary thing and, and then it's a domino effect. And so unless they have injury and they're forced to make some change, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, I don't see it happening either. It's just a, uh, it's certainly frustrating for a, a lot of us to watch. Um, all right. Let's say uh, this here. Ravens under the new offense, right? More 11 personnel. They're running 11 personnel 60% of the time. Less heavy sets. It's kind of a similar uh, change to what the Browns have been trying, starting to do. Uh, they're giving, uh, you know, Lamar the, the ability to audible more. They're spreading people out a little bit more now. He, he has been running more than initially thought in this Munkin, Todd Munkin-based uh, offense here, uh, you know, in the past couple weeks. But um, he is throwing it, too. So uh, he had a really good game in week two. Not so much last week. Obviously, they lost to the uh, Colts uh, in kind of brutal fashion. Uh, what what are your thoughts on this new offense and Lamar's role in it? Do you think his role really changes that much, Fred? I haven't really watched really too much of it. Just looking at the, the numbers and the stats, I just think he still, you know, is most dangerous getting out of the pocket and running. You know, you just can't script that. And he's an instinctual runner but he turns the ball over when he gets, he gets careless with the ball. And I think he fumbled twice last week. And I just think if the Browns can attack him and keep him in the pocket, keep him contained from getting out outside and running one-on-one or, or even up the middle, somebody on him to keep him, you know, from breaking loose and force him to throw the ball downfield the whole game. I think that's the recipe to, keep him under control. But um, yeah, Munkin was here. I think he was under Freddie Kitchens. Yeah. I didn't see a whole lot, you know, when he was here. He didn't really do anything. Remember they just, he just kind of, yeah. I think he had, yeah. OBJ and Landry, everybody's expecting big things. And, but all things being equal, I think it all starts and stops with Jackson. If you can control him and keep him contained primarily in the running game, don't let him beat your running the running that you have a good chance to win the game, force him to throw the ball down the field. He's, he's shown against the Browns. He's thrown, you know, I think four interceptions in four games. He threw four of them in one game. So, and he, and he's dropped the ball a couple of times with fumbles. He's been sacked. The Browns have sacked him in those last four games, I think something like seven, eight, nine times. So yeah. I just I just think that Jim Schwartz can put together something to get that pressure on him, take advantage of their line. Whether the guys are back, they haven't played in two or three weeks, you know, could be a little rusty. And if the the backups are still playing, you know. They, they, I think, can can get some matches and, and beat them. You know, we haven't seen anybody really shut down the Browns or light up the Browns' defense, and and I think that I think they'll do fine. You know, with whatever Schwartz's scheme, but I think it's going to be a challenge, and I think it should be should tell us a lot on you know how they stack up with probably the best quarterback they've faced, assuming because Joe Burrow wasn't 
at full strength in the first game. Sure. Yeah, he he wasn't at full strength uh, the Monday night either, and they somehow won. Uh, you know, the thing with with Lamar for me has always been if you know you can't over pursue him, right? Like that's how he beats you. So. It's going to be hard. The one thing they'll have to transition from is they've been playing with their hair on fire, and they can still do that, but you can't over-pursue him because you have to kind of, like, keep him in and trap him in the pocket a little bit. And then when he does throw, if you could take away the middle, to your point earlier about Mark Ed, uh, and, uh, Andrews, if you can take away the middle in that and make him throw outside the numbers, that's when he gets very inaccurate, when he has to stand from the pocket and try to throw outside the numbers uh his uh, statistics drop sharply when you make him do that and uh the browns have done that in the past and then turned him over a lot so um listen i agree with what you said earlier they're kind of catching him at the right time as they go into this buy it's a really good opportunity to get him at home um and uh they certainly aren't flow their offense isn't clicking yet under the new uh, OC, I wouldn't say. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. And that's where I just think, I think the defense, I take my chances with Jim Schwartz shutting them down. And I think as banged up as they are on defense, that Watson's catching a good time, coming off a good game, a chance to build on the successes last week and and put up some points. The, the, it to- takes a lot of pressure off when you know the defense is going to keep you in the game and sooner or later, you can get it going. You don't have to always play from – you can get a lead, and then you can play a different way with Jim Schwartz's defense. A lot of people around the NFL talking about this Browns defense being the best defense they've seen in a long time or they've seen in the league, and uh, so they will get a test on Sunday against the Ravens, their best test so far, and then certainly after the bye against the 49ers, they will really, really – be tested there uh fred greetham the obr the greetham angle follow him on twitter at fred greetham nine the legend uh we appreciate you so much fred your knowledge and insight uh, every wednesday night is a staple of the obr and we appreciate your time uh and all the work that you do so much so thank you fred thank you brad thanks for stepping in pinch hitting tonight doing well always Thanks always uh, tuning in yeah my pleasure thanks to everybody in the chat uh og philly pat you guys were great with your questions everybody that i haven't mentioned i just named the names that i saw right in front of me sancho uh, everybody that had good questions tonight we appreciate you guys tuning in uh for the obr streaming network uh come back tomorrow night seven o'clock and catch all eyes on cleveland i'll be here then and uh we will uh, talk more browns ravens Uh, Have a lovely evening for everybody at the OBR. For Fred Greeson, my name is Brad Ward. We are out. Thanks, everybody. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? All right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.